Welcome to a very mindful podcast, the mindfulness podcast of the Center for Innovation at Leiden University. Here we talk about the theory of mindfulness, meditation and mental health, and practice together with the help of guided meditations. Today we will talk about the definitions and history, as well as some scientific research of mindfulness. I am your host Nicole, and I wish you a mindful time in the following episode. What does it actually mean to be more mindful? Does it imply constant happiness? Or does it mean that we are aware of our own words, actions and external surroundings at all times? And will it make us immune to stress and pain? Not necessarily. I would invite you to think of it through the lens of its opposite. The state of unmindfulness or mindlessness or even just the absence of attention. Have you ever driven your car somewhere and arrived at your destination only to realize you remember nothing about your journey? Or have you ever started eating a bag of popcorn only to notice that all you have left is an empty bag? I think most of us have. And mindfulness in the long run helps us to navigate exactly out of those moments of autopilot into a more present mind. In this episode, I would like to familiarize you with the definitions of mindfulness as well as its history, including some contemporary clinical and psychological research and its findings. According to Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, the pioneer in the field of modern mindfulness and founding father of the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, or short, MBSR program, mindfulness means paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. So let's try and break this definition down. According to this definition, our attention is held on purpose, which involves the conscious and deliberate direction of our attention. So it is the choice of waking up from autopilot. Then, secondly, our attention is immersed in the present moment, so in the here and now, without trying to replay the past or project into the future. And lastly, according to the definition of Kabat-Zinn, we hold our attention non-judgmentally, meaning that we aim not to control, suppress or stop our thoughts. We simply aim to pay attention to our experiences as they arise without judging or labeling them in any way. So having discussed the modern definition of mindfulness, it is also important to know where this practice comes from and what it is derived out of. Modern mindfulness is derived from the Buddhist inside meditation practice called Vipassana, which translated means moment-to-moment awareness of present events or remembering to be aware of something. And as it is derived from the Satipatthana Sutta, which forms the basis for most modern Buddhist Vipassana meditation practices and retreats, it is often referred to as the predecessor of modern mindfulness. But as the exchange of ideas has traveled through more than one channel, it is impossible to pinpoint one event or practice as the one from which mindfulness has derived from. 
Rather, it is a combination of modern Western psychological research derived from a Buddhist practice and other simplified practices such as Zen Buddhism that has also gained popularity in the West, especially through the writings of the Japanese author Daisetsu Teitaro Suzuki as he attempted to present a modern interpretation of Zen, adjusted to Western tastes. However, the way we currently speak about mindfulness is very much based on the MBSR program that we talked about before. So let's dive into this pioneering program. Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, a New York-born biomedical scientist also holding a PhD in molecular biology from MIT, developed this program in 1979 to primarily treat chronically ill patients at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. He has studied under various famous Buddhist meditation teachers, including Tichatan and Ubakin, from whom he derived the popular body scan meditation that is part of the mindfulness course today. So his eight-week course is offered to everyone, but aimed primarily at people suffering from stress, anxiety, depression, and pain. And while mindfulness-based stress reduction has... As I described earlier, its roots in spiritual teachings, this course is entirely secular and open to any beliefs. It consists of two and a half hour group meetings, daily homework of about 45 minutes, a one day retreat with detailed instructions on the formal techniques, which are the mindfulness meditation, the body scan and simple yoga postures. Dr. Kabat-Zinn also explains the program in great detail in his book Full Catastrophe Living, which was the first to describe mindfulness in this way. And while the program is leading in the world of mindfulness, many studies and trials have followed the emergence of the MBSR course to examine and research the effects of mindfulness. The rise in research can simply be witnessed by the number of papers that mention mindfulness in their title. While in 2003 there were only 52 published, by 2012 it was already 477 papers. And besides studies on the effects and efficacy of mindfulness practices, many neurological studies have also focused on the effects of mindfulness on the brain using neuroimaging techniques, physiological measures and behavioral tests as their methodology. One especially interesting study published by LaRouche, Houdon and Goulet in 2015 further suggests that mindfulness may prevent the onset of mild cognitive impairment or even Alzheimer's disease. So the physiological changes in the brain, mainly the gray matter concentrations, which are the regions that regulate emotions, learning and memory, have shown visible density changes in practitioners after having taken the MBSR course. And further randomized trials also convey that additional changes are visible in the prefrontal cortex and hippocampus, which are the regions responsible for executing functioning, learning and memory. And while there is only a density change observable in these regions, the amygdala, which processes emotions and especially stress, has shown to shrink in the course of the MBSR program. And lastly, another very interesting study suggests that the neuroplasticity of the brain changes also with the amount of years we practice, ultimately implying that a longer meditation practice results in the ability to process information faster due to the higher amount of gyrification in the brain. 
And besides these trials, also the field of psychology has taken its stance on mindfulness and describes it as a means to develop self-knowledge and wisdom. In psychology, scholars argue that mindfulness is interpreted by each practitioner based on who it studies and how it is applied. And psychology also differentiates between the idea that it is a mental state to strive for and a set of skills or technique to apply to enhance general mental well-being. But even apart from its clinical, psychological applications, mindfulness is gaining popularity not only among researchers and meditation practitioners, but also in popular culture. It seems to have become somewhat of a buzzword in media and even a desirable state of being. We often hear family or friends attempting to be more mindful in their daily tasks. And while this popularization in the past 20 or so years seems to be a natural result of a fast-paced society, it has also been supported or enhanced by the fact that mindfulness has increasingly become a subject to capitalism. The growing number of publications, whether scholarly or in a self-help format, and the rising demand of blogs, websites, apps, retreats, and also mindfulness centers are proof that the popularization of mindfulness has entered more than one field of psychology or medicine. So finally, I hope that I was able to clarify where mindfulness comes from and bring you closer to some scientific research on the topic. And while it is hard to answer our introductory questions, whether mindfulness implies constant happiness or if it will make us immune to stress and pain, it certainly means waking up out of autopilot and taking the steering wheel of our own attention again and it means being aware of the whole bag of popcorn and enjoying each bite and not only the scratching leftover crumbs stuck between our teeth. So how is your autopilot doing right now? Have you listened to this episode mindfully? Mm-hmm.